0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to Griplock Foundation Disc Golf's weekly podcast. I'm Hunter, joined, as always, by Trevor. <laughs> I just threw the remote. That's just kind of I wanted to get it all the, out of the shot, you know. Um, today, we got quite a bit to talk about. We have the USDGC that happened last week, uh, and then starting, actually, when you're watching this, today will be the start of the Pro Tour finale. Yep. Um, so we'll talk a little bit about both of those things, kind of what it went down at USDGC and then what's coming up at the pro tour finale. Uh, there's a lot of news kind of on several fronts with the pro tour finale from a format change to, um, I think the format changed this year. They might've, ter- they might've changed it last year. It definitely changed from the I think it's origin. the same as the la- as last year. Okay. Same as last year, but, yeah. um, to some espn2 coverage we'll talk about and some massive payout so we'll talk about all of that but first let's get into the usdgc um first off on the result side we had chris dickerson taking it down mm-hmm. by one stroke um it, w- it wasn't as close as one stroke but it could have went anywhere because he-, he did lay up so yeah you know, it, it could have been though. two but it was a very very close tournament mm-hmm. um calvin Heinberg came in second. It really all came down to hole 17 mm-hmm. yet again. And then we had Ricky Wysocki coming in third, uh, kind of storming up the leaderboard a little bit on that final day.
1: It's, it's like a Duke Carolina vibe where, like, regardless of the year, it's always close because of hole 17. Like, yeah. It seems like the Duke Carolina basketball games are just always close, even if one team's awful. Well, I think the <laughs> Duke like-
0: Carolina games are, like, if you add them all up, they're like tied. They're like split. And then the points, I think it might have been going into this year. At they some like point, like the points identical. were like, no, they were. They were identical. Yeah. Which team would score which points, which is insane.
1: That's what it feels like at USDGC. Like It's always closed at the
0: end. Yeah, we'll talk about that here in a second. Because on I also want to talk about the Women's National Championship. Uh, not quite as exciting there. But you know, going into the final day, Katrina Allen did make it a little bit closer than she it could have been.
1: She stayed around.
0: Yeah, she, she kept herself in there. We had some other players pushing up too. So we had Paige Pierce taking it down by I believe it was four strokes. Katrina Allen in second place, and then we had Sarah Hokum and Heather Young tying for third, which Mm -hmm. is pretty awesome to see Heather Young. Good um, performance. Yeah, coming out there, and uh, she had a she was in uh, solo third for a while. I think she even might have pushed up towards second a time or two. Um, But it's good to see such a, a young. Player. I mean, Heather Young, but she's also a rather young talent there you go. Uh, out there on the course. Um, and to place this high at a major is a rather big feat. So Yeah. Um, and then do, to be able to play on lead cards with players like I think Owen Scoggins was up there on the lead card with Paige Pierce, Katrina Allen, kind of play with those vets this early on in your, your pro career. Um, it, it's going to be big. It's going to pay off down the down the stretch for sure. So it was exciting on both fronts, but um, I want to really quickly touch on the live coverage. So, Roller coaster. last week on the podcast, we had seen one day of the live coverage and it was off to a rocky start. Mm-hmm, really um, bad. It had, you know, some cameras didn't catch fully what was going on. Uh, the audio wasn't mixed the well with the The number one problem,
1: well, the audio mixing was really close to number one problem. That was up there as well because you couldn't hear commentary a lot the, because they had like the hot mic like next to whoever was throwing was like turned way up. You could hear birds at one point so loud. Um, that was bad, but what was worse was them not switching cameras at the right time. So they would have a camera on whoever was throwing. Typically what would happen is they would throw and not switch to the follow like the catch cam. And like literally it was to the point where the commentators, the poor commentators, um, we're having to literally guess where the throw yeah, went. Yeah, they like, like, based uh, on that yeah, reaction. Judging on the way she's looking, that looks like a, a face you make when you throw OB. Like, what? Yeah. <laughs> I couldn't even believe what I was watching.
0: And that was mainly during the FPO. That it was seemed, right at the beginning. It seemed by the time they got to MPO, they had figured it out somewhat to right. where... It got better. Ian and Philo, who are doing the commentary, didn't have to guess as much as Juliana and Hannah did at the beginning. Right. But it's just not a good look because it's almost... It almost makes people fall onto like the commentating team of like, oh, well, that's just unprofessional when it's not their fault at no. all because they're looking at the screen and to my knowledge, they're looking at the same view as us, which oh, I think yeah. is part of the problem. Mm-hmm. Um, realistically, I don't know how realistic this is on normal shows. I would imagine this is a pretty realistic thing, though, is you should be able to have several different camera angles for you the commentator right. so you can say you don't have to be like, well, based on disc that shots off the fairway you can be like yeah. okay I, I i was able to see it in the catch cam you know it it did end up pretty far left near the ob line it's going to be a tough call or something like that something to where they they had confidence in what they were saying yeah um because again that's just kind of a bad look it falls back onto like the commentating team and stuff when it's not their fault yeah well then the problem is
1: too like yeah you know they can say they can come out and say yeah i was a little rocky at first but we figured it out well it shouldn't you should have figured figure it out, but if people are paying as much money as they did, it should be a finished product. Yeah. Like, especially as simple as sound mixing,
0: test it before, yeah. that. like, you can or test it. Or even monitor it during. Right. Like have just have someone sitting there with headphones. It could have
1: been like, I, like, Hunter and I noticed it right away. They could have fixed yeah. it. It's it could like, have been the first clip and been like, oh, crap, let's yeah. turn that down. <laughs>
0: That's all it was. Even if you mute it while you figure it out what's yeah. going on. It was, you know, stuff like that is frustrating when you're you're offering a paid product, especially one 20 30 or $40. Yeah, not just a paid product. Not a cheap Expensive product. Yeah. Stuff like that should have been ironed out. Yeah. But I do want to be fair to them in that the final day, I, d- I watched days one. Day one, I pretty much watched just FPO, a little bit of MPO. Day two, I watched a lot of both. Um, day three, I didn't get to watch any. And then the final day, I watched a lot of both. And by the final day, it really seemed like they had ironed out like during during the men's final round coming down the stretch, uh, since it was close, it would have mm-hmm. been the same for the women if it was close. That's when, when I was watching day one, I was worried, is like coming down the stretch, is someone gonna be throwing a shot on hole seventeen and it's gonna be the, the tournaments on the line and right. we're just gonna see their reaction. Like that's it. not gonna be good. And that didn't happen. There was never a time coming down the stretch on either tournament where there was a shot that was important that you didn't see where it went. the commentators were less left guessing what happened now there was some where it's like oh i don't know jamie or I just said jamie i don't know ian that's pretty close to the ob line but that's not a unprofessional thing to say or unprofessional look because it's like oh well yeah that that is pretty close well to see when we get up there that's different than fully guessing like i don't know that shot might be on the fairway well based on her reaction yeah um but they, they were able to iron it out um so i'll ask you this paying 20 bucks which I know we kind of split it so 10 and 10 but did you feel that you got the value out of the $20 for the live stream
1: well it's really it was a lot of coverage I'll say that much like having them kind of like it's not like it was broken up you know where it was like them flap flipping back and forth between so it was like two entire full rounds of coverage two cards that that honestly might be what saved it, is the fact that not only was it, you know, two individual events, it was also, they did track two cards completely.
0: Pretty much, yeah. Pretty much. They, there might have been a shot here and there There's a few that here and there, but, but for the
1: most part, they had lead and chase card, which, like, that was good. But at the same time, it's hard to, there's still really not. A really good standard i mean we, we have the pro tour like subscription but there's not really a standard for like what that should cost i mean i don't i don't like the single event pricing model ever yeah in my opinion like it's one thing to pay a subscription to a network but like the whole one-off thing i don't like it at all because there's it's really hard to determine what that's worth i would say 20 dollars though for what you got yeah like I, I don't think you can be mad about that yeah, I, think, I don't know what the people who paid more than that like if what they're getting made it worth but 20 bucks like you can stomach yeah, it. Yeah, I'm
0: not sure what the the post production looked like. Right. Um from what I understand from Ian before the tournament he was saying it was going to be the normal Central Coast quality, which I mean I'd pay 10 bucks sure, to watch that. Sure, sure. So the 10 bucks extra. Um but we didn't pay 30 because we knew if we were watching we were going to watch it live.
1: You know, and you know what's interesting, this is kind of off topic, but um kind of on the topic of like coverage is i was looking today and i noticed that jomez posted the um skins match for the cbs one and people in the comments were like fuming because because it was um so cut up like it didn't have every single shot because cbs had a time frame Mm. and they were like i'm getting your initial reaction on this they were like dead set in the comments in their ways that like this is why disc golf can never be on cbs and things like that like they were like what? they were so positive so, that because it was on CBS, that's why it was cut short. When really, it's just because they had a smaller time frame.
0: So what? I haven't had a chance to watch. I watched it on CBS. What Joe Mess posted on YouTube is it just straight what was shown it's, on CBS? Yeah, it's the straight up CBS. Even the the rounds and stuff.
1: I didn't even look and see the rounds. I was just looking at the skins match. This was that's three days ago. Posted,
0: yeah, yeah. I mean, that is weird that people would immediately jump to saying it's CBS's fault. Where it really, it's like. If if you want to say it's CBS's fault, you can only come from the the parameter of they put them in this time frame window. Yeah, because then like, what are you supposed to do? You have right. What is it? Eight people throwing, uh, off the tee at least. And I, think I think they that just conf-
1: like reaffirms for me that like, there's so many people in disc golf that just hate progress. It seems like.
0: Well, I think that uh, what like it's what, not it's
1: not that they were like you can be upset with it, but like understand the situation. Like in all in all, like, it's good that we we're on CBS.
0: Yeah. Well, I think disc golf disc golf I think in a certain way likes to wants to grow, but it wants to grow on its own terms. So like right. when when there's something that seems mainstream and might be a little bit out there, it'll get pushback. Um now necessary is that a bad thing? No, because I think that it's gonna be important as disc golf gets big to keep some of the The feel of disc golf yeah and i think that what's going to end up happening is that will be true but the pro tour will have a professional tour feel to where i think that's where the separation has to happen is like the pro tour slash majors need to break out of the traditional disc golf feel to be more mainstream whereas your local a tiers b tiers c tiers stuff like that that's your traditional disc golf feel you know what i mean you're never going to show up to an a-tier At least in my head, you're never going to show up to an A tier and be forced to wear a collared shirt and stuff like, oh, I guess an A tier maybe, but a B tier and C tier, you're never going to show up and be forced to wear a collared shirt and have your shirt tucked in and blah, blah, blah. But on the pro tour, a collared shirt might be a realistic thing that happens down the road or some type of dress code might be a realistic thing just because to get into that marketplace, that might be like an entry fee into the mainstream marketplace.
1: I just thought it was interesting and a bit frustrating to me that people were so quick to just jump to the conclusion of this is why disc golf should not be on main networks and should just be on Joe and whatnot. And I was like, that's, yeah, that's I don't understand. That's, that. that's not the right conclusion to jump to there. Like, let's, cause, cause guess who's probably looking at those comments? CBS. Like, I'm sure they're going to look at that.
0: I'm very, I wish CBS would release their rankings or their ratings for the, the broadcast because yeah. I really want to know how many people outside disc golf? Because if, if, I mean, surely it reached some, some people who are just channel surfing and it's like, what the heck is this? Um, Outside companies. But if it didn't, if it didn't reach that many outside of what we're reaching with Jomez and we're reaching with the disc golf network, then I could get where it's like, okay, that was a cool experiment. It's not worth it right now. Well, yeah, for sure. For sure. If, but if we're able to pull in like, see one thing that's weird about disc golf coverage is like they'll post this stat about this weekend's tournament brought in a million some aggregate views but realistically what it is is they take the front nine the back nine add those together for each round right so i might count as eight views over a four-round tournament exactly so, so if it's, it's a million divided by eight right it's inflated yeah or and if i go back and watch it twice that's the same thing so, if let's just say that CBS Sports got a million views, concurrent views over their live stream, their live broadcast, one round, if it was a million, which, real, I mean, that's, that might be realistic. I don't know. That's a lot. <laughs> that's um, heavy, yeah. I mean, the finals are only getting like five million right now. So, yeah. maybe we're talking, but even let's say 500,000. Let's say 500,000 people sat down and watched disc golf on CBS. Disc golfers need to be careful if that number came out and it was 500,000 to immediately not go, oh, well, that's half as many as we get no 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 you know we need to look at the math here that's actually a lot more concurrent live view than we're getting because if you if you look at the concurrent live views of like a disc golf network stream i think the record's at like 17 to twenty thousand. right so even if they pushed a hundred thousand even though that's way less than a jomez one jomez video gets that's still more than your average disc golf gets if that makes sense just because YouTube views are always going to be skewed. Cause if I go mm-hmm. watch it and then I come back and watch it on a different account or yeah. I'm watching on my phone. I'm like, you know what? I'm watching it on my computer when I get home and they have Your rewatchability too. Yeah. So. And so like 2014 or 2015 USDGC, I've watched probably 30 times. Sure. Yeah. So I'm 30 views. So YouTube views are hard to count statistically. Um, whereas a, a concurrent live stream, it can hold pretty true to what the numbers are. So I wish they would release that. um, but all that, back to the USDGC live coverage, uh, I think part of what made it worth the $20 for me was just the tournament itself. It coming down the wire. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, we can talk about you know the graphics being a little outdated. We can talk about the jump, the cuts being a little bit, whatever. We can talk about the audio, whatever. At the end of the day, I got to see the tournament. I got to see the discs fly. And I got $20 worth out of it worth of entertainment out of watching Chris Dickerson, and Calvin Heimberg battle it out. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I, I got 20 bucks worth of entertainment out of that. Um, so at the end of the day, I'm happy. I, I think that a lot of people who paid to watch it are going to be happy as well. If you didn't pay to watch it, you know, you'll be happy in two weeks when you get to watch it for free. Sure. Um, but it, I do agree. I think that the pay per tournament model th- doesn't belong here.
1: Well, this is like, and I feel like this is the only event that, well, I mean, it could. I guess theoretically, it could happen with uh, like national tour events. Well,
0: I think. Well, I think the issue is anything that the pro tour
1: isn't covering.
0: No, because I think, to my knowledge, the disc golf network will cover the the national tour. I could be wrong.
1: Well, if that's the case, then yeah, this is like th- the could one event that, that could happen. I that.
0: think that the biggest issue here is that this tournament is not owned by someone who owns several big tournaments it's owned by innova right so innova the, where the pro tour and then in the national tour and the PDJ and the disc golf pro tour have all these connections and mutual building innova gets nothing out of that you know what i mean or even if it was Discraft or dynamic or whoever owned a tournament this tournament that wasn't a part of someone else's tour or whatever um that doesn't have all these regulations and stuff then that's where the pay-per-tournament model would come in. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't think it's going to come in because the national tour, even if they started their own pay-per-view thing, which I think would be very dumb to do, if they did that, it would be a national tour long because that's going to be their their best bet to get people to buy. Yeah, Kind of like the Disc Golf Network model. So anything... I think that's why the Disc Golf Network isn't the Disc Golf Pro Tour Network. They call it the Disc Golf Network because they want to expand it beyond the Pro Tour. So I believe... We'll probably see some national tour events on there. At least I hope. Um, I could be wrong. I just remember reading something about that. Whereas, you know, with this major being owned and operated by Innova, that's another downfall of it is of that side of it that the PGA needs to get a hold of because then they can control it and be like, hey, instead of, instead of the majors being a part of the disc golf network in 2021, we're going to offer, a pay-per-view package that covers all four majors or all three majors, whatever mm-hmm. it is. And this gets you live coverage, access to European opens, worlds, USDGC, USWDGC. It yeah. gets you access to all of those for 20 bucks year long. Right. Something like that. I think that's more reasonable. You'd get more people in. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't mind the pay-per-view model for the sport, but I don't like the pay-per-tournament model, if that yeah. makes any sense. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing is i wanted to talk a little bit about why usdgc seems to always come down to the wire like i feel like every year it comes into hole 17 and 18 and there's multiple horses in the race I'd, i could be wrong there but i don't remember i mean was 2015 close i know 2014 was i don't remember 2015 i believe I mean, 2016 was but got cut short
1: yeah I think I think it was I think 2015 because I remember like I think going into hole 17 I remember thinking like okay Paul needs to hit the island yeah I remember that too so it had to be close I mean what do you what do you, what is your opinion
0: on why you think it always
1: happens like that because I know why I think it does
0: I, I just think it's the Especially after filming the video we did today <laughs> I was gonna say I think it's the OB and the OB rules of that course yep uh the exactly the stroke and distance that in, that's in play on some of the holes. Um, and then the OB slash hazard that's in place on others. Yeah. I think that course, it it's just so
1: hard to hold a lead. Yeah. It makes it, it, it gets in your head and mm-hmm. you can get punished really quick. It adds pressure. It adds yeah. a
0: ton of pressure to it. Um, So, I mean, the video we just shot today is coming out on Saturday. We won't give away who won, but we basically called it the USCGC hole 17 challenge. And the idea was you go to a tee and you have to throw your drive until you're inside the circle. Right. Uh, we went to a pitch and putt course. Obviously, um, you had to throw your drive until you're inside the circle, and then you know, so that kind of gave you that pressure of like, you miss one, okay, well now I have to throw the second from the same spot.
1: And you're using a disc you didn't want to use. Yeah. It's hard.
0: It builds up. So I think I think that's a hundred percent why. Yeah. Um, and you have to do that for four rounds. So each round it builds it's and a, builds.
1: It's such a good event. It is, and just that's
0: why you see a player like AB come out. 13 down, 13 down torch it and the next round the pressure i mean maybe stuff just kind of didn't go his way but you could say the pressure got to him sure uh, oh, I because, believe it did yeah i mean what else what else are you going to attribute it to uh, maybe stuff just wasn't going his way spit outs i don't know but the pressure got to him somehow yeah to where stuff just didn't happen and the course that's just how that course is designed and lays out and i think yeah that's something that other tournaments should be looking at of maybe not to the scale of USTGC well,
1: and yeah, and the thing is too about the USTGC, like in Winthrop, is not only is there a lot of OB, but it, it's you can play safe, but for one, it entices you to play aggressive. Yeah,
0: the OT, the OTB, the, <laughs> the OB strategically. Placed. But and
1: it's also even if you're trying to play safe, the OB is still hard.
0: Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It, it's strategically placed. Right, It's very good to where it baits you in to the aggressive play. It's sometimes almost get you into a more open area. Mm -hmm. But then you have to throw farther to get to that open area. Right. So when you're laying up, a lot of times it's tighter. Yeah. It makes every... You have to think through every single shot. And that's what causes this tournament to be exciting. So I think that this is is something that other events need to look at, need to look at how can we take some of these elements. And I do think that a big part of it on the pro tour, national tour, and major level is stroke and distance. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying that for... A tiers, B tiers, C tiers. But I do think that the PDGA should come out with some type of rules exemption for elite series and up tours or elite series and up events. So national tours, pro tours, majors, where they can use stroke and distance. Because I just think that that would go a long way in making the game more entertaining. Maybe not to the players, but to the fans. Mm -hmm. And at the end of the day, that's what the pro tour, national tour, that's what they need. They need the fans to be more engaged, and I think that would make tournaments down the stretch more exciting because now it could take an easy par three with stroke and distance, like hole seventeen. Normal OB rules, super easy par three. Sure, even normal island rules where you have to go to a drop zone after the first. Yeah, easy hole because mm-hmm. you're realistic, realistically you would be taking a two, three, four. Yeah. On that hole. Mm-hmm. But as soon as they add the stroke and distance where you have to re-tee, and when you're on the island, if you miss the putt, you have to re-putt. It's terrifying. It's terrifying, and it builds up. So we saw Calvin miss the island once, get onto the island on his second, miss the putt on the island, get a really unfortunate roll away, and have to re-putt that ended up losing in the tournament mm-hmm. to where Chris just had to step up and put it on the island. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, that's the type of stuff where even when Chris is walking up, you know he can miss the island once and still win. But it's not over. Like this is far from over. And so it keeps the the viewer engaged because at a normal event going into hole seventeen, if you have a two or three stroke lead and the guy's in the clubhouse, and you know, you have a 250 foot hole and then a par four coming up, you're like, it's over. Yeah. It's easy. But at the USDGC, because of the rules, it's not.
1: It's, they do it well.
0: Yeah, it's a super well ran event. The OB, I know there's a lot of comments about how much people hate it because it's visually confusing. It's, you know, if you have to add that much OB, it was a bad design course, all of that stuff. Uh, to yeah. me, I think that the way the OB is shaped and shapes the fairways is the design of the course. Yeah, I agree. So like, If you it, play
1: that course without ropes, it stinks.
0: Well, yeah, I think that's what people are saying, <laughs> is the course without ropes stinks, so the course stinks. No. But I think that... I think the
1: course was made that way.
0: Yeah, the course was designed with ropes in mind. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't suggest a local course do that, like I wouldn't suggest Falling Creek just go throw up a bunch of ropes, but if pros Honestly, are coming to town, if pros are coming to town, yeah. like hole two, imagine I'm hole saying. two I making all that it. grass on the right and
1: left ob. I like having a challenge, so like I don't, I wouldn't mind if they. Well, throw I'm saying up for ropes.
0: casual play, there's no point. Well, then if there's ropes, just say we're not playing. Well, the that's ropes. where I'm saying that the the pro the elite series yeah needs to separate itself from the casual. Yeah. Right now it's kind of blended together a little bit. The rules we're all playing by the same rules. Mm-hmm. We shouldn't really be, to me. There should be some exceptions for the Elite Series. Because you don't want a rec player to come to his first tournament and stroke and distance be in effect. Yeah, no. And he steps up to hole one. That's and true. Pace, that, that's of play, just, pace play would be awful. Yeah. That, and, it, and he might never play a tournament again. Right. You don't want that. But you also don't want Paul stepping up being the number one, or if you want to argue Calvin or Eagle, whoever you think is the number one player in the world right now, you would want them stepping up to a course. And it's like, well... You throw a shot OB and you you're throw a shot high putting for par. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, or, that's yeah. no good. Or even, you know, crush a shot, crush a second shot, and it was for eagle, and now when OBs, so you have a tap-in birdie. Like, you, you players are thinking that way. Mm-hmm. Paul, hole 17 at Idlewild literally throws his shot. Uh, if you don't know what hole 17 at Idlewild is, it's a par four, but it's reachable, attackable. He throws a super aggressive line hoping to soar over the green. Yeah. Like, that's his play. He wants to go OB over the green. If he hits a tree and drops, great. But if not, he goes ob over the green and has a tap in birdie. Yeah, because he's like, I just gamed this hole. Like this is easy. Mm-hmm. That makes no sense. If he does, yeah. like, because that hole with stroke and distance now becomes way harder. Now yeah. everyone's having to lay up and be strategic versus all right, I'm gonna just crush this. If I go ob past the green, I got a birdie. Yep. I don't like that. I think the game needs to figure out ways to add it without it, without it pushing too far. And I I understand where people are coming from because I think that if. If I, as a TD, ran an event for players of my skill level with those, those ropes, it would be horrible. And it would be a horrible course design. But that course is designed specifically to challenge the best of the best. Mm-hmm. And I think it does an amazing job at that. Yeah. Um, so, before we get into the Pro Tour finale, uh, it's time for Trevor's Trivia. Timing. Uh, yeah, if you're new here, basically it's a newer segment where Trevor has a few questions each week on theme with what's coming up and asks them to me and also to you guys. So if you're listening, um, you can try to play along. You can either tweet at us or just you know message us on Instagram. Or if you're watching on YouTube, you can comment down below what you think these answers are. Keep track of your score and see if you can beat me, which up to this point you probably have.
1: Yeah, um, so we're going pro tour themed. And the Pro Tour hasn't been around super long, 2016. No. So yeah. not a lot of history. So you shouldn't have to reach too far back for these.
0: I've been an avid disc golf fan since the Pro Tour started. So, so I feel a, like I got you a should good have a pretty here. good
1: shot. You could go three for three. One of these is pretty tricky. All right, let's see this. This first one's pretty tricky too, to be honest. All right, so there are 12 events scheduled for next year's Pro Tour. How many events were on the first Pro Tour schedule in 2016? Bonus points, you could name them, but that would be remarkable. I'm not naming them. <laughs> um, I haven't pulled up.
0: Man. Because the, the year it opened, they also had the world tour going on. And so the tour schedule was a mess. They
1: had the world tour going on in the second year too, 2017.
0: Yeah. But I'm just thinking the first year was the inaugural year, of the pro tour and the world tour. So like mm-hmm. La Mirada was a world tour event. And then you had Memorial, which I think was a national tour. Yeah. Yeah, it wasn't a pro tour yet. So, I'm going to say, I'm going to go with six. Wow. I'm going to go six he events. He nails it. The only reason I said that is because in my head, I feel like the Pro Tour and the National Tour have flipped spots. And so, the National Tour has six events That this was year.
1: remarkable. It was the Vibram Open, the Silver Cup, Majestic, Ledgestone, Green Mountain, and the Championship.
0: I would have guessed three. I would have guessed, I knew Vibram, MVP Open now, but Vibram... Uh, Ledgestone in the Tour Championship. That was impressive. Those have been the only three I would guess. That was very impressive. I didn't all actually right. know the answer. It was kind of a shot in the dark, but it worked it out. It worked.
1: All right. So the top eight players in the Pro Tour standings. This is in the men's division. Have a bye to the semifinals of the finale. How many of these players can you name in order?
0: The top. The top eight.
1: eight. So these are all the guys that.
0: And I had to put them in order.
1: How many? I mean, just see how many you could name in order.
0: What's what's bad about this is I was just looking at the bracket. For the I know. Bracket I was
1: hoping you would do this segment before we go over our brackets. <laughs>
0: I was just looking at it. And yeah. I well, that's why remember. I figured you might have a shot. So I know we got Paul for sure. Mm-hmm. You now, is he first, though? I think he is. Yes. He is. Calvin second. Yes. Eagle third? No. Ricky third? Yes. Eagle fourth? Yes. I know James Conrad's ninth. Mm-hmm. Whew. Chris Dickerson's fifth. Yep. Am I might. I'm at five already. Um, so you got shoot. Where am, mm.
1: these last three are, are a little bit tricky.
0: I feel like Yuli is in the top eight. I'm gonna say Yulbari's eighth. He's not in the eighth, He's top not eight. He's not in the top eight. Dang at all! I had him going to the finale. So, oh, say- Yulbari's eleventh. Mm. Is Emerson in
1: there? I believe he's the ten seed. Jeez, you're missing at least one that you should oh, definitely
0: oh, get. Oh 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 oh! Who? I'm my my yeah. mind's blanking on all I'm, pros. You're just, yeah, you're just missing like a a pretty big player. I mean, Double G could be in there. He is. He's S- number eight. He's eight. Yeah. Simon could be in there. No. Dang, who am I missing?
1: Simon's actually. It's you're missing the seven, the six and seven, six
0: guy. and seven speed, <laughs> speed, yeah, <laughs> six and seven seed.
1: Six is kind of surprising. Seven is a guy who I would think would be actually be higher on the list.
0: Oh, Kevin Jones. He's seven. Kevin Jones is seven, and then six. Seed. I That's picked number. Surprising. I picked the
1: six seed all the way to the finals.
0: That no, doesn't help me.
1: You should, because you know who, I, you know the obvious picks.
0: I don't even know. There's
1: a picture of him on our wall.
0: Nico. Nico. I thought he was. I thought he was ninth. No, James Conrad's ninth. Yeah. Dang it, Nico. So right. you got you got the top five. Yeah, five, easily. but not I mean bad. that's that the top five isn't really that shocking. Yeah, it
1: either. gets a little bit. Uh, there's some How did I forget
0: Nico? I'm mad at myself now. <laughs> ah, dang it,
1: dude. So this last question, I don't know if you you might know this easily or it might be a little tricky. I'm not sure. So, the very first Pro Tour event ever was the Vibram Open in 2016. Can you name the winners of both the MPO and FPO divisions?
0: At the Vibram Open? At
1: the Vibram Open in 2016. First Pro Tour event. Paige Pierce. Yes.
0: I know Paul got a silver jacket, but what was it from that year? Ricky Wysocki. Paul McBeth. It's oh, a- it's Michael Johansson. When was Chipmunk Gate? <laughs> what the heck is Chipmunk Gate? <laughs> Or was MJ, did MJ it's, lose in the
1: playoffs? It is, it is a tricky one. I saw this and I was like, I forgot that guy existed.
0: Steve Brinster? No. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I would
1: never forget Steve. I would never forget him. <laughs> I don't know then. Bradley Williams.
0: Oh, where is <laughs> yeah, that guy? Where been? is
1: he? Because he's dirty. He, well, he made, had
0: that random suspension from the PDGA for a while. Yeah. It was Back him and with, um, uh,
1: Anton got into it. No, it wasn't or Anton. No, it wasn't it Anton.
0: was Anton. Um, who was that? Matt Dollar. Yeah, they got He shoulder checked him yeah. allegedly.
1: Got he got banned for like a year, didn't he? Yeah, he in got his, a long ban. In his prime, yeah, he kind of like re- he was like kind
0: of going off a little bit too. He's when, dirty. What happened to Bradley Williams? He still plays in Texas all the time. Do I need to like look him up. right His now? form is some of the smoothest the smoothest oh, disc golf you'll see. Yeah, he's like Kalevitska-esque in like smoothness. Jeez, was answer me in the comments. Was 2016 the Chipmunk Gate?
1: Explain me what the chipmunk gate is.
0: Basically, like MJ threw his shot and it looked good, and he hit a chipmunk and it, like went O B. Oh, that's hilarious! Yeah, it so did. So Bradley Williams, like it, just, the chipmunk didn't really affect anything, but everyone said it.
1: Bradley like Williams it. just went up ten points to ten twenty seven. So he was down a little bit, but he's ten twenty seven rated right now. Guess who's back? He's he won two this he, year. He basically he won only plays in Texas right one, now, right? Oh, two, three. He won three B tiers and an A tier. Oh, he won Texas States. Who did he beat there? Oh, nobody really. Brody was there. <laughs> I'm just saying like Texas States is like a national tour. Next some, year, next but it was
0: the same weekend as Jonesboro. Right. Uh so, that's so why no one no one traveled okay. To it. Okay. Um so for this next part, um, I actually am not gonna be able to pull up my bracket. So, we're going to have to base it all off of your bracket. Okay. We're going to do our bracket challenge. So, we're going to fill out our bracket. Um, if you haven't already, go to U-Disc, uh the app on your phone. Or maybe just Udisk Live. It might be on the computer, too. Probably. It's probably not. Um, but you can go on Disk and there's the Bushnell bracket challenge where you can have a chance to win a rangefinder. Um, but basically, you fill out the bracket and MPO yeah. and FPO uh, mm-hmm. for the the Pro Tour finale. So, we're going to show tell our picks for each round. Uh, the format is basically... Each round's played, the top four scores advance. Yes. Uh, and that's true for each each and, and every it round. It
1: starts off with a ton of guys and gets less and less. You get yeah. one point for each correct pick in the first round, two points for each in the second round, four points for each in the th- the third round, the semis, and then eight points for the correct champion. So, really, you need to get your semifinalist picks and your um, finals champion. pick correct if you want to have a shot. Yeah. So, like. And my kind of strategy was like I took some of the guys like, yeah, they're probably gonna get there, and then I threw a couple little dark horse picks in there because like I've gotta if you wanna win I the rangefinder. If you All wanna right. win the range fighter, you gotta be a little bit different and hope you get lucky. Like you're not gonna just pick the top four guys and tie I was able to pull else. mine
0: up without I thought they would mess up the screen. Okay. Didn't mess it up. Well Alright, so I got mine pulled up. You wanna go through yours first? Yeah. So who's the first the first four coming out of your first round?
1: I have the seventeen seed Austin Hannum. Mm-hmm. The 19th seed, Jeremy Colling. Okay. The twenty-three seed, Andrew Presnell. Mm-hmm. And the 24th seed, Anthony Barella.
0: Nice. So for me, I also have the 17th seed in Austin Hannum. Okay. Um, but after that, I got no one else you have. Wow. So I'm going straight to the 20th seed with Thomas Gilbert. Okay. Um, it's a little bit of a an iffy pick. Uh, I don't really know if he's played. He, he played at USDGC. He didn't do too hot. But I don't know. I just picked them. Uh, sure. 21st, I'm picking someone based on a, some hot play coming down the stretch, which is Ezra Adderhold. Yeah, played well. You yeah. See. Don't know how well he'll do at Hornets Nest, but I'm feeling it. And then I agreed with you on Presnell. Okay. Andrew Presnell. So those are my four going in. I'll go ahead and roll right into the next round. So the next round, we get some some bigger names into here in the quarterfinals. Uh, I got James Conrad, the ninth seed, going advancing. Emerson Keith, the tenth seed, advancing. I do have Ulibari, the twelfth seed advancing. And then I didn't have to scroll down too far to find this guy, Mr. Kyle Klein. Mm. Uh, young gunner. I've got him, you know, he, he is known a little bit more as a crush boy. Um, kind of like the third crush boy with Discmania. But I don't know. He he's been playing really good and I feel like I feel like that's gonna roll into to, to this week.
1: Yeah, my picks were almost the same. I had Conrad, Emerson, and Klein. But I also had, instead of Ulibar, I had Adam Hamas.
0: That's not a bad one. No. I thought about him. I went back and forth on it quite a bit. Yeah,
1: that, that round was pretty tough. The next round is where it gets
0: yeah, this is real darn tough.
1: near impossible.
0: Yeah, this is a shot in the dark no matter who you are. Yeah, because any of these guys, literally any of these guys in the semifinals... I've changed this hit. one probably 10 times. I'm just trying to
1: stick with it at this point.
0: I keep Every time I look at it, I change it, but... Right now, I've got four players advancing from the semifinals. The one seed, Paul McBeth. I got the two seed, Calvin Heinberg. After that, it's a toss up to me. Yeah, it really I is. initially I had just the top four: Paul, Calvin, Ricky, and Eagle. it could very they easily, could so easily be them. Yeah, um, Ricky, I had a, I really wanted to pick, but I wanted to sneak a dark horse in there, mm. and I knew Chris Dickerson's coming in. I feel like he's going to the finals. Yeah. He he played really well last year. He he's won it won last it twice. year. He's won it twice overall. Yeah. Um, last year was at Hornets Nest, I believe. Mm-hmm. So, he, he's won it here before. Yeah. Um, so, I picked him. And then, you know, I was thinking about it being Paul, Calvin, Ricky, Chris. But instead, I decided to just try to get some points. And I went with Emerson Keith. Right. I scrolled down the list a little bit. Emerson Keith, the only reason I picked been him. Cold. He has been. But it's going to be a little bit more woodsy, and he's shined at Northwoods when they played there at Worlds and at Ledgestone, which is a as woodsy as it gets. So I know that he can be on in the woods.
1: Some good insider picking right there.
0: It might be the dumbest pick I've ever made. Not really. There's, no dumb, there's, there's, no, there's dumb no dumb pick picks in, in the semifinals. But yeah. I'm picking him over Rick was a tough one, but I I went for it.
1: Yeah. So I had a similar strategy. I took Paul, Calvin, and Chris. Uh, I think those are like the safest bets on there because Calvin and Chris, you know, I'm, I'm, I mean, Ricky
0: did beat Paul at USDGC last weekend. It's true. That, that should, I gotta, I gotta
1: take Paul out of four, like when he's only got to be top four. That's true. Like when when you think of it that way, like, oh, Paul's going to come top four. I have to take him. And then, I think he
0: came fifth at US, but that's after four rounds. He was in the top four. And
1: then Calvin and um, Chris both battled it out last year and finished. You know, it was one stroke that decided on the last hole. So I'm taking both of them. And then I'm going to sneak in Nico. Okay. (laughs) Just because I don't think he's going to get a a lot of picks. And I think he, on a wooded course like that, you know, he's a pretty decent Woods player. Um, You know, he's been around all year. He's definitely capable of it. And not a lot of people I don't think are going to pick him. Because I think a lot of people are going to pick Ricky and Eagle and then they'll jump straight to Kevin Jones. Mm -hmm. And they'll just skip over Nico. So I think if I pick him and he does get it into the final, then that's going to give me a ton of points
0: on That That is true. And, and, I mean, when you're looking at the semifinals, there's not a name there's on no that list picks. that's a bad pick. No. I mean, anyone could make it yeah. to there. So that was tough. So for the who do you have as your, your finals champion?
1: I've got Paul. I believe I can't see it, but I think I had him shooting nine down because I think the winner shot nine down last year. I was like, hey, we will just pick the same thing.
0: So I was looking at this. And I'm just trying to think through history, think about what's on the line, everything like that. I originally had Paul as my pick. This guy's a snake, but I changed it. Um, I'm picking Calvin Heinberg. Probably might not be the best pick because it is wooded, but I
1: mean he almost won last year at the same. Course. All I'm thinking at, <laughs> so. all I'm
0: thinking about here is he was he's been close to winning pretty yeah. much every single event he's playing in. He does win at Jonesboro. Mm-hmm. He comes into USDGC. If his freaking putt doesn't bounce off the cage and rolls OB, he might be our current U.S. champion.
1: Calvin's not a bad pick ever this so year. So
0: I feel like he's coming in with a little bit of a chip on his shoulder. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. I just went with Calvin. He's a baller. I'm just feeling it. Yeah. I'm feeling Calvin. And I picked him for a 56, which is 10 down. Okay. Um, now on the FPO side. Oh, that's right. The FPO Another starts bracket. in the quarterfinals, um, which makes things hard from the get-go. So, there's only 16 players in on the FPO side. Half the field. This one's tricky. So, my four players I picked to advance. Missy Gannon, Kona Panis, Heather Young, and Ellen Widboom.
1: Okay. We seem to be always one off of each other. Because I had Gannon, Panis, Young, and then I took Lisa Fakus instead of Widboom.
0: No, this is not what I said earlier.
1: <laughs> what, did you change the line?
0: I just switched it. I need to update that.
1: Because we have the same next one, don't we? I don't think so. I have page cat sarah and heather young
0: yeah okay so we don't
1: did you switch it
0: no i had page cat sarah Haley king but that's not who i was trying to pick oh
1: oh you changed it to to ellen didn't ellen you? widboom yeah so i got page cat
0: sarah and ellen widboom ellen widboom again i'm thinking this course has some woods into it it does have, it has open holes too mm-hmm. but it has some woods mixed in there she wanted Idlewild. wild she's proven to be able to just play consistent golf yeah I snuck her into that finals. Yeah. Um, now for the finale, I don't think either of us were picking someone. No, Paige. page.
1: How many? I had her seven down.
0: Um, let me update. I had her six down. Okay. So I mean, Paige, uh, Someone might prove us wrong, but I felt like that was the safest bet. Yeah. I mean, it, you, if you are taking, if you are filling out a bracket, it's hard to bet against Paige.
1: That's like doing the March Madness bracket, and it's like. You know
0: It's like hard to bet against Duke You know Especially when no, they're against like a It's pretty easy to Lehigh Duke. or <laughs> Yeah
1: It's actually pretty easy to bet against Duke It would be now like Now you're a
0: Duke fan Every year you're like Oh man This is our year We got it We got Jabari Parker Here we go
1: Yeah I'm, I'm fortunate that During Carolina's worst season Like in recent history There was no March Madness It was very convenient
0: Well didn't they also like Go to the NIT Like two years ago Three years ago No that was That was a was long time ago Was it 2009? It was 2009
1: yeah, No that's the year they won The national championship <laughs> <laughs> I knew that I knew that it was like a it was like twenty eleven or something. Yeah. And they lost to Dayton in the finals.
0: (laughs) I remember them going to the NIT because like someone was talking smack to me about Duke and I was like, bro, UNC's literally in the NIT right now.
1: You know, when you don't pay your players, it's tough. But anyways, next subject. Bull we'll crap. Next subject. Coach yeah, K right. would never Zion do that. Zion Williams took $40,000 to Co- play for Duke. Coach I mean, K it's, would it's never it's do that. It's been released. Coach K would never.
0: He'd, he had no idea. Coach K is way too <laughs> black yeah, guy. Yeah, right. He's probably wired to him from Kentucky. What
1: do you think Kentucky? Zion's major was?
0: <laughs> why, would any, why would anyone of Zion's caliber have a major? <laughs> I'm just joking. I made <laughs> him go to class. The, that's the dumbest thing. <laughs> you know, he did go to class. He went summer before he got to college. He took all of his general electives. You know how dumb that is? He think of it. T- he didn't take those classes. He went to his general electives, eight-week freaking English 101 thing, <laughs> and then you show up and you never have to take class during the school no, year.
1: The, the GAs were told to give him perfect grades.
0: Even if so, there's no reason that man should have been in college.
1: You're right. That's why they're being encouraged to play internationally now. and like That's not the rule. That's not G- the answer. No, 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 no. Or go straight to the league. You make
0: it go straight to the league, which I think they just opened that back up. I could be wrong. Straight to the league, or if you go to college, you got to be there for two years. So you can oh, at least get an associate's degree. Well, I would agree with that. Yeah. People coming out with no degree, like Zion with it's his because, knee blow.
1: It's because college basketball is a money machine.
0: Yeah, but it's dumb. The
1: NCAA is hungry.
0: Yeah. Well, then the players should be getting cuts of that.
1: Well, they can now. Kind of.
0: Kind of. <laughs> In a roundabout way. <laughs> yeah.
1: A little bit. Just enough that we can get NCAA football games again.
0: That's all that matters. That's all I
1: ever cared about.
0: <laughs> um, so let's talk a little bit about the Pro Tour finale. Um, the first and foremost, I want to talk about it being on ESPN2 because to me this and i could be wrong here but i feel like this is a slightly bigger deal than disc golf being on cbs
1: sports yeah it's like a
0: it's a more available network espn yeah. Two. i feel like if you have like satellite at all or access to it you have espn Two. typically yeah. whereas cbs sports is a little bit harder more, to get a little more obscure yeah um they haven't announced the official broadcast dates. Jeff That's
1: Spr- the question.
0: Well, Jeff Springs is talking about it being around the week before or the week of Thanksgiving.
1: Well, yeah. The thing about the CBS coverage was it was in like just about prime time.
0: The hour-wise. Yeah. And That's day-wise. what
1: I'm curious about because ESPN 2 be after harder. he,
0: he Jeff Spring did say afternoon tonight.
1: Well, the thing is there won't be ESPN. ESPN well, won't have, uh, they, they might have be competing for- with college basketball. College basketballs to start up in November.
0: Duke's first game is November twenty fifth. So that's right around Thanksgiving. It's,
1: it's going to be close. ESPN. That's what the only thing I can think of them competing. It
0: also. With. Well, I mean, ESPN two doesn't cover football, but if it's on the same time as a big football game, might compete with that. Like if, if yeah, you know, Fox or whatever is covering true. a football game. I don't, I don't know. know in, there is college more,
1: football, I guess. Yeah, they've got a, it's going to be interesting. There
0: is more competition. Yeah, but as far as the network goes. I think it's a bigger network than CBS Sports. Yeah, for sure. You're, you're more likely to have CBS, or you're more likely to have ESPN two than you're CBS Sports. Yeah, at least in my head. Growing up, I always had ESPN two. I didn't know CBS Sports existed. Well, I don't think it did exist when you were growing. That up. probably makes sense. Why? <laughs> yeah. Um. But that's gonna be a big thing. And also, it's it's one two hour broadcast, but it's being broken down into the final round of the MPO for one hour and the final round of the FPO for one hour. So they're both getting equal. Uh, one hour slots. Now I don't know if it's going to go FPO first and then MPO, or MPO and then FPO, or if that even matters. I don't think it does. Um, but I will say that that was a complaint that was heard from the disc golf community um, about the CBS sports broadcast was that the only FPO shown was pretty much just like a little highlight reel of Cat and Page, and then yeah. some mix into the um, skins match because they were obviously in it.
1: Well, they're going to have their shot now. Yeah, yeah. where this will this will have even, so
0: yeah, this will have the full. It'll be in the same broadcast, so even if there were ratings, it, you wouldn't see the difference because yeah. it's all one. But hopefully ESPN2 releases the ratings. They haven't said if they are or not. I hope they do. Doubt they will. I doubt they will as well. I think the true test will be if going into the next year, if anyone, anyone. Mm-hmm. picks it back up. Right. If CBS Sports or ESPN2 decides, hey, that was a good investment, let's pick this back up. If they do that, we know the ratings are good. If we never hear from them again, we know the ratings were mediocre to bad.
1: And we'll probably wait another three years before we ever see it again.
0: Yeah. So, and one thing I will also say is Jeff Springs made a, a point, I believe it was one of his Pro Tour interviews at USCGC, he made a point to say, Jomez post-production and the live coverage won't see an interruption. Right. So, it's still going to be next day for Jomez and live for the Disc Golf Network <laughs> What do you think of that decision? Is it good or bad knowing ESPN2 is coming down, coming down the line?
1: Uh it's tough to gauge cuz like there's like this middle ground cuz like people who don't even know like if the goal of this coverage is to get people that don't know about this golf. See, if I'm ESPN, I'm not sure if my goal is I'm going to try To see if I can attract people who don't know about disc golf into this? Or am I just seeing, hey, how much views can I get out of the disc golf community? That's what I think. I think the view... Maybe it's a little bit of both.
0: Maybe it's a little bit of both. I think it's just like from ESPN's point of view, like how much interest is in... Because the the disc golf
1: community, I guess they're... Like it's hard for me to think about because like as... An avid fan of disc golf, like it's a no brainer. I don't care if I've already seen the coverage. I'm gonna watch the ESPN coverage of it, Mm -hmm. duh, because it's gonna be they're gonna have all these cool graphics and player intros or whatever. Like CBS did. I mean, I was geeking out over that coverage. It was amazing. It was so cool to watch, especially on ESPN. Like that's so cool. So yeah, I'm gonna watch it, and I think most. Most people that have access, it's to only it, one hour, and it's this time. It's only one broadcast, so I think just about anybody who's a disc golf fan is going to watch this one. That's the thing, too. It's not multiple uh, broadcasts, so I don't think it's going to matter too much.
0: Yeah, I hope not. I sure hope not. Yeah, but I could see where it's a bad idea because I, I mean, I don't know. Jomez is producing it for ESPN 2 as right. well. I believe it's I believe it's the same type of a deal broken down um i'm sure we'll see the same type of player intros and player highlights kind of snuck in there so yeah the shot by shot coverage might be a little bit more abrupt than normal actually because they each get a full hour but then you have to take out commercials um so it's, it's probably gonna, be gonna be basically a, what we saw it's probably gonna be about the same as like a jomez youtube video link if you took the front nine and back nine and combined yeah but i mean it'd be kind of similar to what we saw in. then you're gonna see them pull some of that time out for player intros and stuff yeah so that time coming out has to be taken from somewhere yeah. so it'll be interesting to see if you you might miss a few none on un, unconsequential is that the word i'm going yeah. for Up shots like i don't
1: like i don't mind missing five foot par putts like for a,
0: a hundred foot wide open just lay up to 10 feet right like that's that's fine as long as it's you know and they aren't gonna if there's an ace or something you're obviously not gonna miss that yeah because like if live coverage that's what you're risking if you have these like extended player interviews and stuff like that mm-hmm. you're risking something crazy happening and having to go back post-produced you know what happened and you can plan and schedule it around it to where you're you're never missing something important yeah well but
1: the goal is to be live to be good enough and have enough cameras that you can you know like if you're watching the pga tour sometimes they'll go and if you heard that roar, this is what just happened on hole 17 just a few minutes ago. And they'll just play the clip. Yeah. If they had it filmed, they just need to cut back to it. Yeah. And, and that's fine.
0: Yeah. So, we'll. we'll uh, I'm expecting an insanely good quality broadcast. You know, Jomez is legit. We're, you know. Yeah. Curious to see they're how. They're not going to put anything out that's not yeah. next level stuff. I'm lo- the, the biggest question mark to me is, obviously, like you said, the super avid disc golf fans. Yeah. Um, Probably yeah. even the majority of you listening to this podcast. I just don't know where that drop-off is, you know? That's what I'm saying.
1: At what point is it... To where you're like, I'm not a big enough fan to watch it twice.
0: Not even that you think, don't think of yourself as a big enough fan, but like you see it on ESPN2 and you're like, oh, I already watched that tournament. It's
1: also not as long as a wait, right?
0: To November, it's about a month.
1: And last time, wasn't it like August to October? No, or, not no, August, uh, October. or what? June. Or it was June to August. June to August. June to August.
0: So a month and a half, so, so a little, little bit, shorter. bit shorter. Yeah. A week or two shorter. I don't know. Um... I think that it'll ah, be so more I think from the disc golf community Ooh. this idea will be better received here's
1: the thing though too the season's over so people will be starred for disc golf content a month that is true so that might be where they get it back people, that might,
0: that's probably true
1: I didn't think about that
0: that is probably true um but I, I do think that the the whole idea behind this broadcast and the whole way they're presenting it will be better received from the disc golf community that you're not missing your next day coverage. Um, you're getting yeah. a full round of FPO, a full round of MPO. You're getting the full disc golf experience on mm-hmm. ESPN2. Um, you're getting to highlight you know, the best players in the world on all fronts. Yeah. Um, it'll be interesting what happens if, say, a Macbeth or Wysocki or someone like that doesn't make it to the finale. I know. Because it's, it's only the final round. That's
1: extra pressure as a player to like want to be on ESPN.
0: And speaking of extra pressure, we can talk about the payout. Because this Money. is what this is what it's the guap you know this is something that I think will be interesting. Um, the Pro Tour finale previous years, and this could just be me as a viewer, but previous years when USCGC happens, I feel like the disc golf season's over. The pro tour finale happens, and I feel like it's like or even the Hall of Fame classic used to happen too. Those almost just felt like kind of bonus events. But maybe it's just because of my perception casted this onto the players well, the
1: pro tour also wasn't as big as a deal no before. but
0: maybe it's just my perception casted it onto the players but i never seemed like the players cared as much about the pro tour finale or the hall of fame classic in the national tour finale that were if they happened after usdgc like it seemed like usdgc was this you know everything's building 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 usdgc and it's like okay yeah here's hall of fame but this year both the mpo and fpo winner will be receiving fifteen thousand dollars and Jeff Springs is cited saying that that is, as of right now, they're expecting a little bit more money to come in and that that number could push as close as 20000 on on both fronts, the FPO and the MPO side. Good for um, second place right now is looking at about $7,500, if I remember correctly. That's a great drop-off right um, there. That's what we yeah. like to see. And just for showing up, you get like, I think, 700 bucks for MPO and 900 for FPO because of the field size being qualified. different. qualified, I mean, yeah. Yeah, so you, you qualified, you made it you got your money cover your travel fees it's good stuff pretty awesome to see um and it's also gonna be pretty awesome to see on espn2 the fact the whoever wins mpo and fpo be presented with hopefully a big check that says fifteen thousand dollars so that you know sure it's not golf level or something like that (laughs) yeah not
1: 1.6 million but you know but i mean still like it's a lot of money it's not like laughable you know that's what i'm saying if you're
0: watching and someone's handed a big check that has five thousand dollars written yeah. on it. You're like, oh, yeah, that, fifteen. Grand I knew this is good, wasn't a sport. That's good money. Yeah, you see fifteen or twenty grand on a big check. You're like, wow, I didn't know disc golf had that kind yeah. of money.
1: And the fact that they could throw that money together in a shortened season with all these curveballs, no spectators, things like that. It. I'm thinking next year we're going to see pro tour finale be at like thirty k or more. That'd
0: be amazing. Like, but I, I'm I interested. More. I'm interested to see what kind of pressure that adds and if it's noticeable as a viewer. Because now, we'll now each putt might really be worth $7,000. That's what we're going to
1: see the robotic players like Heimberg and Dickerson dominate. Let me
0: fact check myself on so that second don't place. Because I know 7500 That sounds right to me. It sounds right to me as well. I just want to fact check myself so that you guys I'm don't have surprised that they home.
1: finally... Because I remember thinking they did the 50% drop off, which is like what I, we want.
0: It's right here. Yeah. So they both go 15,000 down to 7,500, down to 3,800, down to 2,500, down to 1,500. The quarterfinals on MPO side is 1,100 and the quarterfinals on FPO is 900, but that's only because that's the FPO's first round. Right. So that's like you show up you get 900. That's such bucks. a good pay scale. That's like the best one I've ever and seen. And then 700 is if MPO you show up. Yeah. And I did see I did see some comments online that were upset because they're even. Because it's 15000 15000 And to those comments, I just want to point out one thing, which is the fact that this is the finale. This isn't a tournament players are paying into. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not like the added cash has to be broken here perfectly, like, you know, because there's only 16 FPO players, yeah. 32 MPO. This is the Pro Tour finale. So this they is like your reward. can do whatever reward. they want. Yeah. First off, yes. Secondly, this is your reward. So this is your, you play it all year. Congratulations, you know. First off, just for being in the top 32 or the top 16, you get $700 or $900 respectively. And then you're playing for up to this much. So, this is this is basically their bonuses. They're earning their bonuses here. So, you know, I can understand where people are coming from of like, it's half the field size, you know, why. But you have to look at it from the fact that this is the finale. This is it. You know, so this is all this added cash is being poured in. Um, and I also want to mention that on the MPO side, this ties, if it stays at 15000 ties the highest payout ever which was 2007, USDGC? I think so. Whatever it was, we saw Jonathan Poole and someone else ride up on Harleys and dump it out of their backpacks amazing. onto the table. If you didn't know that video exists, it does, and you can find it in an UltiWorld article. I didn't know it existed. Pretty amazing. On the FPO side, this is the highest payout by nearly ten grand to an FPO winner. It's
1: pretty cool. Yeah, it's pretty cool.
0: Uh, yeah, it's just pretty cool. That's mediocre. It's freaking awesome, dude. Like, I mean, this is some serious money that we're finally seeing. And part of the reason is because of the breakdown, because if the breakdown didn't go fifteen yeah, to seven thousand five hundred, the breakdown
1: is the one we were looking for. If
0: that if the breakdown wasn't like this, the first place wouldn't be getting fifteen thousand no. dollars. No, and that's the thing too. Is that's we, what we I've should really this. should
1: draw from that. It's like you know, yeah, the the payouts are even. You say what you want about it, but what we should be looking at is the fact that they finally broke down a purse the right way.
0: Also, you should be looking at well, yeah, that, but like. There, if it comes down to one stroke, there's going to be putts worth seven thousand five hundred dollars. That's awesome. That's never happened in disc golf. Yeah, a putt has been worth like a grand. Yeah, fifteen hundred dollars. You might be staring down a putt for the win, but also knowing this is for seven thousand five hundred dollars. Yeah, and
1: then the next drop off is pretty huge too.
0: Yeah, for that's like three thousand seven hundred dollars. It's almost and half again.
1: Yeah, good math.
0: Thanks. (laughs) Put you on the spot. But yeah, like then you're again you're like. This is as much as I, this putt could earn me as much as winning a whole tournament in mm. one putt. Yeah. Versus, okay, you know, yeah, I dropped from five grand to four grand. It's
1: very FedEx cup y. You know? Yeah.
0: I, and this is the type of thing that, you know, people have said many times I see people complaining about disc golf needs more money in it. The first step, I don't think, is for disc golf to get more money. It's for disc golf to break down the payout correctly. Yep. To where the money that we have in players literally could. If it's broken down based on the PGA pay scale, which, again, this is one of the things where we can pick and choose what we take from golf. This is mm-hmm. one of the good things golf has going on is the way they break down their pay scale. Because the the breakdown of second place getting about half of what first place gets creates more excitement. It's going to. Mm-hmm. Um, but regardless, if you change the way the pay scale is broken down, the winner of each of these events could literally be getting twice the amount of money that they normally get. Yeah. To so instead of getting... Thirty five hundred dollars, they could be getting seven grand.
1: We could we get players making six figures in winnings
0: with the zero dollars yeah. added to what we already have right, right now in the
1: sport, and that's what we want. We want guys that can like make livings off of winnings. Well, that's my thing too. Is that's like, enticing?
0: Disc golf, yes. We need more outside money and outside sponsors that's going to help the sport grow and help all these purses and whatever. But we also have to be smart with the money that we do have, mm-hmm. and the money that we do have. You know, I think that sponsors might be more enticed if they see players winning more money at these events because that just adds more validity to it right and it also adds more pressure as a player yeah uh so as we kind of close out the show we're gonna head into the final segment which is make that call my phone died so i have to click on my computer to get that to happen (laughs) but make that call um this is an interesting one okay i had to i had to do some i did a google search found the article that cited this Thought, there's no way that's true. That must be an old PDGA rule. Great. Re-looked it back up in the PDGA, and as far as I know, this is still true. Okay. So, I'm going to give you a scenario here. Player A tees off on your card. There is okay. a shot that lands about two feet shy of the OB line. The card approaches his lie. Player A picks up his lie and moves it a foot and a half closer to the OB line, which gives him a much more favorable lie. Before the card says anything... He throws and parks the upshot for birdie. So now you're on his card. What call do you make?
1: He just walks up to his disc, mm-hmm. picks up his disc, puts it closer to the is the OB no, line. He, he
0: uses his mini, but whatever. He he moved his lie a foot and a half towards the OB line. So he t- t- completely yeah, okay. moved his lie, and it's a much more favorable lie now.
1: Where's the OB line in front of his disc, or to the right or left, or behind it? Doesn't matter. But we'll. S- it sure does. If <laughs> he got closer to the hole or not? I mean, really, it probably doesn't. But like, I'm trying to like process this.
0: We'll just say to the right.
1: Okay, so that would probably be the easiest way to. So okay. So maybe by getting closer to the right, he's getting around. He gets a tree. around a tree. Sure.
0: Now he's part. So for what is the call? What call do you, as the player on his card, make?
1: You definitely can't move your lie. And there's no reason for him moving it. That stated, he just literally picks it up and moves it.
0: Yeah, closer to the OB, marked it, and then he. Threw oh, it how far short is he? Two meter, two feet, shy of the OB,
1: and he gets up to a meter of relief from the OB, mm-hmm, but he, he moved it closer. I think, I think the ruling is going to be that you can mark that mini anywhere you want within the
0: three feet of the OB. Mm-hmm. Ding, ding, ding. So, yeah. That is despicable. <laughs> PDGA, That's so stupid. The PDJ rule states, if your shot lands within a meter of the OB line and is safe, you can relocate... This is the word from the PDJ. basically. You can relocate your lie anywhere within one meter of the OB. It doesn't specify the OB. It must be taken away, away from the OB line. I mean... It says you can move your lie anywhere as long as the line is oh. center of the disc to the OB line. I cannot wait. I to
1: pull that one. I'm gonna I'm gonna use that one for no reason at the tournament in a couple weeks, like just for, for fun to see if somebody calls me on it and be like no 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 yeah check the rule book. <laughs> I've read it so multiple
0: times because I'm like there's no way like you get a meter relief which you would think is has to be a way. I just
1: think that's one that like I've never seen anybody do and like nobody's thinking of that.
0: No one would. And that's what it was. Someone asked that's like weird ways ball, to take advantage man. of the PDJ rules was like the question. And this was one of them that was listed. It's like you can move mm. it because the PDJ rule smart, very isn't clever. clear that it must be taken away from. All it's going to take is one tournament. Now, whether or not it can be moved forward, that might be overlapping with a different rule. That's why I didn't give you the forward of like...
1: That's what. That's what I was saying. That's where it's confusing. If the OB line was in front of his disc, then he's getting closer to the hole. Because I think the rule is still no closer to the hole.
0: That's what I don't. Yeah, because relief. Well, no. relief. You because can't take Simon, to
1: the hole. remember when he th- was taking relief at MVP Open away from that wall, and he went closer to the.
0: Well what the OB relief you can take closer to the hole. Yeah. But that's normally if you're stepping it off from the OB towards the hole. But I don't know if the OB is like if you're if you're going towards island, the OB. Yeah, if you're going towards the OB, can you approach sure it? Sure sounds like you can. That's what I'm saying. I don't I don't know if that overlaps with a different rule hmm. as to why you couldn't move closer to the basket. But as far as perpendicular right or left, the OB doesn't the O B rule currently does not state that you must be taking relief away from the OB line unless there is a separate rule that says like all relief must be pulled away from whatever line. But That's wild. And the direct O B line, it just says anywhere within that meter. That's I think the way reason they wrote it is because you don't need to take the full meter. Yeah. If you didn't want to. That's what I understood by that. That's but why I think it was written that way, but that's, that's a, a way that could be taken advantage of because that's, it says anywhere on that line. Yeah, that's wild. So therefore, if I'm three feet away, I can move it back three feet, which is a kind of a criminal use of the rule, but... Pretty sick. The more you know. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So that's going to basically wrap it up for this week's podcast. Um, if you're listening, we did get a restock of SF hats in yes. recently, but more importantly... Tomorrow is the drop date of the Get F- Crystal, Get Freaky Zones, Stock, Crystal, Flex, Get Freaky Zones, um, the Brody Roaches, the Stock Run Hades, as well as the Limited Edition Halloween Buzz and Limited Edition Full Foil Halloween Buzz, mm-hmm. all of which will be available on FoundationDiscs.com at 5 p.m. Eastern time. So yeah. 5 p.m. Eastern, they will be live. Um, if you want more information about that, check our social media Uh, We will be posting about that at some point during the day. We might have already posted about today, but if not, we will be coming up soon. We'll be posting all the details to that drop, exactly where to find it. But if you go to foundationdiscs.com, it should be on the homepage. You'll be able to see all of those discs. You'll be able to pick by the color and the weight, or I believe the roaches are only one color. To my knowledge, you'll be able to pick foil for those uh, as well as the weight. But that's going to wrap it up unless Trevor has anything else. That should be it. We do have some apparel coming in soon that is going to be... Very exciting. Unlike stuff we've done before, I really think you guys are going to like it, but we'll tell you more about that, and we probably will reveal it on the podcast by wearing it at some point soon, whenever it comes in. But other than that, guys, we'll talk to you guys next week.